Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to our podcast today. Today's guest is Kari. She is a grandmother of nine and she has... um, three children herself and she talks today about the ups and downs of life and actually trusting ourselves in what we do and that is just so important. I can't wait for you to listen to her nuggets of wisdom and her wonderful story through right from the beginning of becoming a mum right through to now with being a grandma too. So um, enjoy this feast for your ears. Hi Kari, good to see you. Thanks for coming along. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today um, about your wealth of experience because you come to us as a, a grandma of nine um, and and a really experienced mum. I want to hear about your journey through um, through your time, particularly as a parent coming mm-hmm. into parenthood and the struggles you had and the ways you sort of got through it. That's what I want to delve into today. That's all right. Oh, yeah, that's great, Beth. It's great to be here. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, my eldest is 37 and I found out I was pregnant with him after having a really bad illness, thinking it was just a bug. I wasn't we weren't planning to have children at that point we just bought a new home etc etc and it shocked me it really it threw me back a little bit uh, because a little bit about my background was um, you know my mother had a very difficult challenging childhood and therefore when she parented she parented in quite a violent way so I pushed parenting away a little bit thinking well that's not on the cards at Mm. the moment I was 20 so um the first sort of four months I didn't really know until it was confirmed I just thought I was very ill and then for the first six months I probably tried to push it push it away a little bit you know because there was a lot of fear Um, and I think the the whole thing about you know you find out you're pregnant and it's lovely and the birds are singing that's great (laughs) but actually for me it wasn't quite that magical although I thought oh wow but actually there was so much fear with that and then about I think it was about eight months I realized that hey <laughs> there's no going back here um and when my, my son was born it was amazing it was a really challenging birth but and then I just looked at him and thought I just don't want to carry on the historical parenting right I didn't have those words because at 21 I you know there was no 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 talk about parenting 37 years ago it was like actually you know you just 
heard from your mum or you heard from people, but the the books were very much what's going to happen to you physically. Yes. yes. Nothing about the emotional. And the emotional impact for me was, oh, my goodness. And I know now there's a word, you know, for the journey of motherhood, um, the matricence, and I hope I'm saying that right. But at the time, I had no idea. And, like, on the fourth day after having him, I just cried. And I thought, what's wrong with me? I've got this beautiful baby. What's, why am I so miserable and upset? And then a midwife just came back and said, well, yeah, that's just your hormones. And I was like, no one told me that. <laughs> no one said. So it was this roller coaster of emotions. And looking at my son, it was like, I've got to keep you alive, you know, and I've got to make sure you're safe. And it, so it was all those feelings. But when you looked around, nobody was talking about that. No one was right. saying And so, you know, skipping forward, I made a decision, um, a very unconscious, conscious decision. I didn't realize now looking at it when I've done all the development and, you know, being a parenting expert and all the Mm. studying and everything that comes with that. At the time, I didn't realize it, but I'd made this decision that I was never going to hit my children. I was going to break that cycle. Um, And I can't say it was easy. It was really, really hard. But I just remember the, the fight between that and my parenting that I experienced with my parent, my mum, and she experienced with her parents. I just thought, I'm not carrying that on. I just, I just can't do that to my child. And, you know, sitting on the stairs, rocking back and forth, you know, because I've done everything I can, you know, I'm getting upset, my child's getting upset, and I just put them somewhere safe in their bedroom, and I'm rocking back and forth on myself, you know, all the things that, you know, now there's much more talk about that, Yes. but moving, you know, moving forward, um, I had another child when my eldest was two, and sadly, he died, and again, you know, there was no preparation for anything. It, there's no talk in the journey about the risks. Um, no. Then went on to have two more children. And it was tough. It wasn't easy because when you're frustrated, the first thing, you, you know, and you tried everything else, you can feel that frustration growing. But in the back of my mind, I always had the experience. And my fear was if I did it once, would I be able to stop myself? Mm. So, you know, and then I started to work in education and I started to sort of... Sorry, before you go on, I just wanted to dig in a little bit of what you were saying there. So when you were in that place of like you were rocking and the stairs and stuff and you were trying to stop yourself, like you were battling the almost impossible that so many people get to that point and because you had, you've acknowledged what happened in the past. We yeah. hadn't dealt with it at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really dealt with it. It was just something within me. And this is, this you, you spoke, uh, you know, about the way I work with parents. There was something within me that knew. No books, no training, no teaching, but there was something within me that just knew that I wasn't going to do this. 
Mm-hmm. And it's about listening to that and having the confidence because, you know, 37 years ago, they were just starting to talk about the impact of smacking children. Mm. So my in-laws, a lot of people around me, well, you just give them a smack. And I'm like, no, actually, I've got to find another way. Mm. And people would think, I remember actually someone quite close to the family saying, you're spoiling you're spoiling him yeah and that was a fear I was like I don't want to spoil my child yeah but I want my child to learn a different way that was and that was the strongest voice and I I think we all have this voice that gets diluted and when you go Mm. into parenting because of all the emotional stuff. And also I think sometimes it's very difficult because people say you there's this big thing and it's and I still hear it today. To be a good mum, you have to sacrifice yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And I'm like, really, do you have to sacrifice yourself? I think that's the myth. So you think, actually, I've got to get rid of everything that I am, all my wants, all my needs, and just pour it onto this child. Of course, when they're a baby, they need all the basic stuff. They need you to feed them and make sure they're warm and safe. And um, But as they get a bit older, they also need to know that they're loved. And for me, it's all about loving my children but putting in safe boundaries and knowing especially with my eldest I've got three children uh, two boys that are four years apart that look exactly they look like twins really yeah but character wise and the way that they respond you know um one of them is an entrepreneur and loves to has great problem solving and strategizes and and the other one is an amazing landscape gardener so creative in another way and I remember with my eldest I could be quite direct hey come on you know let let's think about this why what if you are talking in this way how how do you think that's gonna end up you know with my other son I would have to, you know, not sort of anywhere near the time, but just afterwards go, I I noticed, you know, is there something going on? Is Mm. there something you're worried about? So it's two different approaches. And I learned a lot. I remember my eldest saying to me once, well, I wasn't allowed to do that when I was like five years old. And I went, well, no, because actually with you, I was learning every step. So he went, so I'm your guinea pig then, mum. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, very much so. Um, I always think it's so strange when people say to, about their kids that they, um, yeah, well, I bring them up exactly the same. And it's so not true. <laughs> you can't bring up all your children exactly the same. It's not, I love them all the same. No, you might love them a lot, all of them, but you love them in different ways. It's not all the same. Nothing is all the same because so many things are so different and each of them is so different, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, with my eldest, because he he walked at a very young age, by seven months he was walking and at four months he was pulling himself up, you know, all that. So it was constantly on the go. He was never a destructive child. He was an inquisitive child. 
and he was always on the go. So I had to learn after the first time. He was a couple of months old, you know, probably about three months old, and he had one of those. Do you re- I think they still have them, but then probably not wooden anymore. The little phones with the eyes, and they're in Toy Story. The pull. Oh yeah. And he fell on it. I turned my head and I turned back, and he fell, and he was screaming. The guilt I felt. <laughs> And, you know, and so, but after that, I realized actually there's, I'm not going to be able to protect against everything. Right. So it became my, again, it became a thing where I will let them, I will watch, make sure they're safe. I'm here if they need to come back, but actually I need to let them take those steps and learn from themselves because the biggest things I've ever learned is by making a mistake or doing something that, you know, it it didn't work out the way I wanted to. And some mums in a mum and toddler group found that hard because they were sort of like, Oh no, you can't let them. And then helicopter. Yeah. They they watch my little one run around. Um, Leaping up at every moment. Yeah. Yeah. And at 16, I mean, at seven years old, he told me he was going to play basketball in America. Um, And I was like, oh okay then and but that stuck he was very determined to do that so at 16 three days after his GCSEs he got on a plane and came to America wow he didn't want to stay with family he wanted to he didn't want anyone to feel like they had to look after him so we did it through a Swedish exchange and he had a great experience it was so hard for me though I bet at 16 them but I knew for him that was what he wanted to do and again you know I can remember my mother-in-law and I can even remember my two other children like my mother-in-law actually said to me how can you let him go and and I was like how could I not let him go that was the question you know um what would that have done for him and your relationship if you hadn't? Yeah, because we he wanted to go when he was younger. And we said, look, you know, finish, finish sort of uh, your GCSEs. And then, you know, before you go to college or before you decide what you want to do, because I'm, I'm not a parent that believes you have to go to university. Right. Because I, I believe that learning comes in all ways. I didn't go to university till I was in my 40s because I had a very strict upbringing and I was born and brought up in Malaysia. Okay. And uh, my, my stepfather's a, a Malaysian Chinese. So we, ha- I had a very sort of, it wasn't an expat sort of experience. It was a very local experience. I went to a local school hmm. um, and I was the only European girl in my school. Um, I stood out like a sore thumb because obviously I, I had a very different colored hair. So mm. I only had to twitch in assembly and the head teacher would go, stop moving. <laughs> so it was like, mm. um, so I, you know, came back to the UK because I made a deal with my dad and said, oh, you know, I want to experience working for a year because I couldn't work in Malaysia, still had a British passport. Um, and I'll come back and I'll, I'll, you know, so sort of 18 came back and decided that, you know, I really liked it here. I liked the freedom. I liked blending in, although I still felt different because the language I was using was different, Mm. but I just decided that I really enjoyed that. 
and you know and then sort of met my my husband and um didn't go back right (laughs) so you know and so yes if they wanted to that was if that was something they really wanted to do great but actually you know if they want to do something else you know do some training around my middle son did carpentry and you know and then went into sort of again a very sort of hands-on creative business um you know my daughter went into um social care and working that way so it's it's just for me that there's so many ways that society says this is what parenting should look like yeah and I am absolutely stemmed in evidence-based that was my parenting expert hat Mm. it had to be evidence-based if we wanted to get funding I delivered training for Oxford Brooks University and it was all but there was something for me that was always missing Mm. and what it was was that emotional strength right because we're very good at telling parents what they should do yes Yes, it's full, the internet's full of it as well, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> if you use this tool, if your child's doing this, you know, have this, and actually it doesn't fit, even with all the evidence, it doesn't fit every child. It's no, and it's forgetting about the most important thing. Yeah. Ultimately, and they're all doing that. Everything that's about parenting is is about the child, and it's not actually about the child at all when it comes to being a parent it's about being the parent right yeah and I honestly deep down and you know and I know that I'll get um pushback from a lot of parenting experts I call myself a parent coach Mm. because yes I can help with certain situations but it's about being secure with who you are as a parent yeah Because I honestly believe the biggest gift you can give your child is them knowing that they're secure with who they are. They don't have to be anything else. From the day they're born, they're enough. Yes. They don't have to keep proving themselves or, you know, doing something to seek approval. Yes. And I know myself, being a young adult, that I was a people pleaser. Totally. Yeah. Because that was my yeah you know I didn't want to upset my mom I wanted to please her so that she wouldn't you know hit me or Mm -hmm. you know go into a rage so you know she could be fuming and I'd just walk up and go do you like a cup of tea you know how can I make what can I do to make you happy yes Um, yes and it stuck it was so hard because it stuck with me you know and honestly until I was probably between 45 and 50 the pain was still there around that. Yeah. And I just would love mums to realise that actually, you know, be secure with who you are. Yeah. Know, know what you want to say no to. Know what you want to say yes to. Yeah. Because as know adults, you. Know you yeah. and your boundaries, right? Yeah. Have the confidence. It's hard when you've got society and you've only got to look at any parenting Um, professional or psychologist that's been on any daytime show that is talking about something that doesn't fit in with the normal narrative Mm -hmm. and they just get slammed and I think yeah it's hard you have to be vulnerable but have the courage because at the end of the day 
you're the one that is, you know, lying in bed at night with your own thoughts. Exactly. You're there all the time in your life. You're the only person who is. Your your children aren't even going to be a constant presence in your life. So you have to, you can only really put yourself first, right? Absolutely. Um, And, but, you know, and the people go, but that's selfish. And and we're like, we have such negative um, attachment to words. I was doing something Mm. on defiance the other day. Uh, Parents say my child's defiant. And I said, do you know what the definition of defiant is? It's bold. It's not actually doing stuff that, you know, you know, is unsafe for you or doesn't work for you. It's questioning. That's the defiance, yeah. and you know, and we use it in such a negative way. And yeah, I think totally. If we just started to let ourselves hear that inner voice, because I said I had that inner voice, but so many times I'd go, "There's something wrong with me. Why am I the only one that's you know well, thinking?" Of course. And especially at that time when there wasn't other people around, you could, you wouldn't have been hearing. You certainly didn't see it on media or anything. And there was the beauty of the internet at that point where you could seek things out in that way. Yeah. And the, you know, amazing things like, you know, this podcast, or you just have to scroll through reels or TikTok or whatever, you know, the, the sort of platform you're watching on. And there are so many now where, People are just being real. There's so many yeah. that aren't, but mm-hmm. you you get a parent did a parody of Ariel. Um, and you know, it's very much around, I just want to have food that's hot. I just want to be in a place where there's no children, no dogs. You know, and it's that yeah. honesty and going, there's nothing wrong with me. How can it just be me if all there's all yeah. these other people that are feeling the same? So, so Kari, when you were in that place and you didn't have that even potential of an avenue that we now have, how how was that for you? It was scary. I felt very, for a long time, I felt there was something seriously wrong with me. How come I felt like this, but everyone else didn't? So, mm-hmm. and I think when you when you look at children. And you think, actually, the first thing you think a child will go, what, what's wrong with me? Why aren't they? My granddaughter, my um, youngest granddaughter, she's four. She walks past everyone. Hi, I love your dress. Hi. And that's something that's very natural to her. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes she'll say they didn't smile back. They didn't say hi. Did I do something? And, mm. you know, and I love the narrative that her parents have given her. They might not just, they might be feeling a little bit sad today, um, you know, and it's more, it's not about the, what you're doing. Right. It's, it's just, they might be having a bad day. Yeah. And yeah. then she'll say it to someone else and they smile and they light up. But automatically we have this default that we think, okay, what's wrong with us? Mm. And if you, if you quash that, if you are to say to her, well, don't say hello to people, don't smile at people, then she'll start to think, well, there's something wrong with that. Yes. And what a and beautiful therefore there's world. something wrong with being mean. Yeah, yeah. Because that's essentially what we're always saying. Every time we open our mouths, really, we're saying, oh, do you like me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. carry on then with Speaking whatever we're Yeah. And I remember reading um, as part of a 
some training I was doing, I was reading the poem, Welcome to Holland. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it's it, look it up. It's basically a poem to um, parents of children that, you know, have specific needs or, um, you know, maybe they're struggling. And right. it's very, it's like the, the whole theme of it is, I thought I was going to Italy and, you know, and I thought I was going to all these amazing places. So I, I learned about them. I learned the language. Um, and when I got on the plane and we landed, uh, the pilot came over the tannoy and said, welcome to Holland. Right. And I went into panic, but I don't know about Holland. I haven't learned the language. <laughs> I haven't learned about the places to go. But when I got off the plane and I started to explore, I realized how beautiful Holland was. It was yeah. different, but it was beautiful. Yeah, that's a lovely poem. Oh, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's such a different like take on the whole idea of when you are a parent, we are going in with our expectations of what we want. And then, and often if we were to have landed in Italy, could it be that if we land in Italy, then we look at life in a very different way? Whereas if we land in Holland, actually, we are more open to things and being more flexible yeah. in our yeah. approach. And so actually, it kind of is better when we land in Holland for, our, for ourselves and our own development. I feel like I definitely had landed in Holland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even even though, um, you know, uh, my middle son has dyslexia, he has asthma um, and but it's it's just thinking, oh, wow, this is I'm the same person. I've had one child. I have another child. It's different. Yes. yes. Yeah. And yeah. and that is something, you know, I remember at the time, I think you're saying what, what, it was a very lonely place, what was wrong me. And at that time, Oprah, you know, and you know, whether you like Oprah, you don't, she was came on on the TV and her show started to air. And I remember just hearing things starting to hear, hear things and thinking, oh, that person has said that they struggle with that. And it's you know mm. so you start to I think you start to hear things and they resonate with you in a different way um I when I when I started to learn about child development and I I am very passionate about emotional science I you know and understanding the emotions but I also think back to when I was a child learning science learning about maths and how now there's new research, there's new ways to do mathematical equations. Mm -hmm. You know, we've learned so much now about the brain and how the gut is so connected. And we've learned about emotions and how actually not feeling emotions, if we push them aside, doesn't mean that they're going to go away. No, they just they go actually, somewhere else. Yes, they the actually home. resonate within us they marinate yeah. and I always you know for me anger was bad that was a bad emotion you you don't feel angry because if you feel angry it's very unsafe you could explode you could hurt someone I and I've learned that actually anger is a really useful mm. um 
emotion if you understand it. I've also learned there's a ladder before you get to anger. You don't, you know, very rarely go boom, anger. Occasionally you do. But, you know, you might feel a bit annoyed. You might feel a bit cross. You might feel a bit miffed Mm. before you get to that full-blown anger. So understanding how my body started to react when I felt angry Mm. and how my chest would get a bit tight, how my palms, I would just want to, you know, and do that and actually think I can see I'm actually going to be jumping in a river in a minute and just getting swept along. Right. And thinking, okay, what do I, what do I do? Because it's all very well saying breathe and do stuff. If you're in the midst of that high arousal emotion, Mm. it's very hard. It's really hard. It can sometimes work, but actually it's about understanding how you get there understanding what is it that triggers you and I know my Mm. triggers I know if I'm tired Mm. I'm very short fused and yesterday I I was getting really I could feel myself getting ratty because I'm in America at the moment my body clock's all over the place yes and um I thought you know what do I need to do before the whole day before I get into this really you know cycle of oh I'm just so tired and I can't (laughs) do anything and grumpy I just thought I need to just go and sit somewhere quiet and just sit there quietly Mm -hmm. because I know that works for me you know I have I know that going for a walk if I'm sat and I, I just can't think clearly I go for a walk yeah I've learned what works for me doesn't mean it works for everyone and I think that's the whole thing sometimes go you know people go well if you do this and then you do this and then you do that and it's like okay so for me I go for a walk you know I've got a dog it doesn't matter whether it's raining or not Um, I sit quietly there's some music that I like someone else might hate walking yeah so they'll be walking and it's just making the situation worse yeah getting them in more enraged yeah um, you know, they might think sitting quietly is just not going to work for me because I know that I'm just going to go deeper into feeling Get ruminating, in that, you know, deeper, yeah. um, and so it's about finding what works for you, mm-hmm. but it's, it's having, it's having that little bit of courage to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to find out. Yeah. I'm going to acknowledge that actually I get, I get angry and it's no one's fault. I get angry because of triggers because of you know um the situation being tired um and when my first granddaughter was born I reconnected with blowing bubbles she loved bubbles and I remember blowing them and thinking this is really fun this is great fun so that's something I have as well. You know, mm. sometimes I always have bubbles at home. And so it's just finding out and, and, and also not being afraid to be a bit silly sometimes. Yeah. And laugh at yourself a bit as well sometimes. Yeah. Which can be hard if you've okay. had that negative experience yeah, with definitely. it. Kari, I'm really curious. So as a parenting expert, right, you're now a grandmother of nine. Yes. So how how did your status right 
affect your kids and bringing them up and how you know have your kids bringing their kids up right has that has that interfered or enhanced or got in the way somewhere because I'm like oh that's an interesting dynamic because I know from my kids perspective they're sometimes intimidated by the things that I'm good at um, and they can feel well my youngest particularly but he can feel and with his older siblings and feel like he can't do so oh I can't I'm no good I can't do it and actually stop himself from trying because he feels he can't ever be as good as so mm. obviously we try and do things to remedy it but yeah just curious on that fact how how that has worked or isn't working or whatever <laughs> I I started um, really going into the parenting stuff. I, I was in education, so I worked in schools. Then I went into health promotion. So at that time, it's always it was very much preventative. And then I went into um, a holistic health project. And part of that was working with young people. And it was on alcohol and substances and uh, sexual health. And okay. we set up sexual health, uh, well, health clinics, not sexual health, but health clinics within schools. And one of them was in the school that my daughter, my youngest and my middle son were, were going to. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, my daughter especially was like, oh, do you have to do that in my school? Yeah. Oh, mom, this is so embarrassing. And it was understanding that actually for her it was. Yeah. Deeply, you know, deeply, you know, and it was like, where could she go if she needed confidential? So it's making yeah. sure she knew where else she could go. The heartwarming thing is that when her friends spoke to her, she'd say, why don't you just go, you know, and, and speak to, you know, either my mum or there was a, a nurse there called Catherine. And so, but I knew it was hard for them. But I also knew that this was something that was very important. Um, and then when I started delving into, because I worked with a young person who had a significant um, substance misuse and we got, we got to a point, she was in a residential school and we got to a point where, you know, we were really progressing and she went home for the holidays and when she came back, it was right back. And, and I started to sort of really explore the environment and parenting and what was it that parents, you know, what did they have? What support did they have and what services? And so I started doing parenting and, you know, and um, studying and, and everything. Mm. And I would try things. I would do things, you know, and it just got to the point my kids go, oh, mom, you, uh, don't, you've been on a course again, haven't you? <laughs> I go, oh, no. You, and, or we'd get somewhere using like the I feel messages, you know, well, I feel really sad when I walk through the door and they're going, have you been on another course? <laughs> so it was really about um, understanding that, not taking it personally. When I became a grandmother, for me, it was really difficult, but I had to step back mm -hmm. and go, I'm not a professional here. My yes. kids know where I am if they need support. And even now, you know, with all of my children, like if my daughter comes to me and she's sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And, oh, they did this. And, oh, and I'll go, do you need mum or do you need me to, to yeah. help? And sometimes she'll go, I just need mum. Great. Sometimes it will be, 
I just need advice. You know, um, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about this school situation. Normally, I know when it is because she comes with that very much calmer. This has happened at school and I'm not sure. Recently, my daughter-in-law came to me because her daughter had been taken aside and spoken to on her own a couple of times. And her daughter was getting very self-conscious about it. And so she was fuming about the situation. And she said, I know I can't go to the school. I can't go to the school in this state because mm. they'll just see me as this angry mum. Yes. And I won't be heard. So we worked out what she could do. And I said to her, look at what the policy says. Look at, you know, all the things that are going to help you go to school calmly mm. and but assertively. And and she did. Um, but there are other times where things are happening and they're just telling me and I have to go, right, I, I need to put the I need to put the expert side away because this is about me being grandma, being mother-in-law, being mother. Yeah. And it's not easy. I'm not saying, mm. oh, yes, I can do that. You know, because sometimes you just think it's easy when you're like one step removed because you can see what's going on. You can see that mum's tired and their child's trying to get attention because they're not getting the attention. So it might be that, you know, they've said mum 10 times quite calmly and they haven't been heard. Mm. And then they shout. And then, you know, it's like, why are you shouting at me? Yes. So you can see that. But, but in that moment, me stepping in and saying that isn't going to help. No. It isn't going to help. No. And it's also, I, it, I really believe that, you know, you can't say this is right and this is wrong. Like no. with emotion. There's this whole thing around anxiety. Anxiety is bad. We worry about anxiety. Yes, it can be. It's at the beginning of the mental health continuum. But actually, anxiety, we've had it since, you know, caveman times and previous. Uh, it's the first part of our brain. Yeah, exactly. It's a warning signal. It's mm -hmm. a little bit of an alarm clock. So if we teach ourselves and our children, what do you think that's saying to you? Yeah. It might be saying, yes, this is really something that um, we need to think about and work on. Because anxiety is all about that inner thought. Yes. Stress yes. is from the outside. Anxiety is the inner thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's normally about things that haven't happened yet. Yeah. And if we can give the gift of having that understanding, we can then see it as actually it's just telling me something. It's telling me something's not right. Mm -hmm. It gives me a bit of adrenaline. Like before I came on this call, mm -hmm. I was a little bit anxious. I needed to go, you know, and sort of my tummy was feeling a bit butterfly. Mm -hmm. And but I knew actually that's because this is something that I'm a bit nervous about. And, you know, yeah. my granddaughter uses the word nervous sighted. She's nervous, but excited. Yes. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. so it's like it gives me a little bit of okay yeah it's okay I know I'm going to be safe I know that you know I can talk about this because I've experienced it as a mother yeah. and I also have experienced seeing so many mums mm -hmm. where eventually I and you know a cohort of us wrote 
parents' emotional first aid because it's like you can go to all the parenting classes, you can have all the tools, but unless you are understanding your own emotions and it's completely normal, then you're constantly going to be battling. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. You can't you can't you can't do anything positive outwardly if you're inwardly all over the place. It just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. And kids know you can't I yeah. the biggest thing I learned working with teenagers, you can't fool them. You might think you can, but no. they know, they sense when I used to get questions fired at me and they were made up questions, especially when I was doing any um sort of substance uh sort of uh classes uh sort of you know awareness classes yes and I would have well miss have you heard of blah 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 and I would go no never heard of that and I remember this one lad going yeah I made it up just wanted to see if you knew your stuff and I was like bring it on because actually if he'd said, oh, yeah, I've heard about it, I'd say, well, I'd probably need to go and, you know, find out more about that. Thanks. But I always thought, do you know, if I'm there pretending I know it all, then actually I'm just doing to you. I'm just telling you. And my whole thing is... dealing with the situation at hand. You're not listening to what's going on to yourself or your kids. Yeah, it's working with. You have, you know there's society and a lot of the services they do too so they'll say well what you need to do is mm-hmm. and actually it's like okay so it what do you think you need what yeah. is the biggest thing that's causing you you know anxiety at the moment let's look at this you know um is this something that you think would work for you is this something that, you know, you know, as soon as I walk out the door or we finish our session, you're going to go, well, that's not going to work for me because actually I just know I can't do that. So it's, it's really about listening, listening to the voice inside you, but also for anyone giving you the respect to listen to you as well. Totally. Totally. So I'm just going to move on to a bit of a lighter moment. So have you got any funny, really silly or funny moments um, from your either recent with your grandchildren or your pet or with your kids when they were young? Any really silly story, maybe from a holiday or? Um, Yeah, Um, lots of silly moments with my grandchildren. Uh, you know, it, it's really interesting. Uh, one of my grandchildren is having uh, speech therapy at the moment. Uh-huh. So her dad was, um, she had said cat girl, but she couldn't quite get her kiss. Right. So eventually she just said, well, no, I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> and we just, you know, it's, and, it, and it's sort of um, silly moments when, my children were younger we I just remember we we were very sort of financially um strapped when mine okay. were young so holidays abroad uh, we went to Malaysia a couple of times to see my parents but that was they helped us with those mm-hmm. so normal holidays were a caravan park mm-hmm. 
and um you know so it would be we couldn't afford to go out and buy costumes so we would make things like my son was a uh, Roman soldier and so we got a, a pillowcase and uh, we bought a white pillowcase and we made him a little outfit and we covered um we we got some a box from somewhere and we covered it in tin foil and those are the sort of things that I remember um the one of the things that also when one of my children were two years old, we went to Malaysia. Mum and dad had um, brought us out there. And in Malaysia, around the temples, there's quite a few beggars. And um, my, my dad had put some money into one of the beggars' pots. And my young, my son, who was two, looked at it, looked at my dad, looked at this guy. And so he went over and took money out the pot. it's like oh this looks like a good game we can take money out he hadn't realized my dad had put money in and obviously like we were like I thought it was quite sweet because he didn't understand my dad was there going oh no 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 I'm so sorry and saying to this guy and this guy was going that's fine he's a child he doesn't know and it's things like that that just stick with me you know those sort of very childlike things Um, I had a horrible fear of heights and so any theme parks as the children got older any theme park were very much sorry sorry I just had like this huge bang in the house I'm hoping no one's killed themselves or anything like that (laughs) It wasn't followed by a scream, so yeah, we're good, we're good. Um, and I, I remember thinking, I'm going to have to at one point get on one of these rides, and I got on probably the smallest ride, um, and I just remember sort of smiling the whole time, initially with fear. But then I think the adrenaline kicks in and you're smiling. And I can remember getting off and looking at, it was my daughter who just looked at me and she was smiling as well. And it was one of those moments that I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm safe. It was, a, it was a fear. But actually, we just had this really fun, silly time together. Yeah. And we were both beaming. And she'd seen me really enjoy myself because I think sometimes as mums, we get so caught up with, I've got to get the dinner, I've got to clean the house. You know, if you're working, you've got to get to work. And I was one of those mums. Function, function, function. Function, function, function. Mm -hmm. Come and see it and play. And you, I haven't got time to do that. I haven't got time to do that. So your kids seeing you having that silly moment and that's something that as a grandmother it's a privilege because I I have got the time when they're there to sit and draw silly pictures yes to make silly faces my funny enough last week my granddaughter said to me she had my phone and she said let's take a selfie and I was like okay you know what that is so she she sort of put the camera and she said let's take a picture of our feet and so we have this picture of our feet. And I just was, I thought, oh, that's so lovely. You know, she was being, she was like, yeah, let's have a picture of our feet. And some people might go, that's so silly. But it was great. We laughed. We've got the picture of our feet. 
it was just such a fun time. Um, and it's sometimes that's what we stop doing. We stop having fun. Yeah, when when we're an adult, we're like, yeah, we're, we're done on life. We're done on living our lives, the fun bit. Now the boring bit ensues. And then it's just the race to retirement. And then we're, we're too jaded to do anything else than just go and collapse at the end. Okay. The amount of like, what, time. What? what? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the done amount, then. Yeah. The amount of times I've gone shopping with stickers on me or a dress up thing that I forgot I had on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of like, and then people are looking at you and I'm like, and then I look down and think, oh, you know, okay, because funny. it's the silliness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I find that really funny. Like I, I go dancing and um, um, so salsa dancing and stuff like this. So I go, basically, you just go out and then there's people there. I don't like meet up with a friend there. We just go out and there's people there and we dance mm. together and stuff. And um, and sometimes when when it's a it's not a dance, a partner dance, people don't really know what to do with themselves because they they know how to do the partner dance. And then and then so I'm just like, yeah, give it giving it some like in front of all these people who like because it's in a bar. Right. So there's people there getting drunk in the corner and then there's all the smart dancers who aren't getting drunk but are waiting for the nice song to come on, right? And there I am getting down and dirty and there's loads of people looking at me like she's gone right off. And But I'm just like, I'm having fun. And you can see people, some people are like side-eyeing <laughs> me, but then there's the other people who are like trying to like get into it a bit and like, oh, I could just about do that as well. And like, yeah. I'm just trying to coax it out of them. Come and have Absolutely. fun with me. It's so much better. Yeah. yeah and at dancing something I've always done. Um, I was in a charity sort of chorus, parent pantomime. And, you know, the kids could come on a Sunday and they, they had their little friends. And I remember just getting on stage, even though I was really nervous and just, like you say dancing I do belly dancing now oh wow um, lovely and I went to a, a sort of a spectacular women's conference and one of the activities was drumming mm-hmm. and dancing uh one of the women there just got up and free dance she was amazing and it was just wonderful because you had all this sort of like very serious like business stuff and then you went and you're doing all this drumming and you know and people are laughing and getting excited and and I just looked around and thought we just don't have enough fun no we don't we don't no I mean for me I get my fun through with my kids and I teach Zumba as well so and that's just oh, like the epitome of fun so like I love it and so I get to be the ringleader of fun which is like awesome (laughs) I love it I love it so yeah for me I need it if I don't have it I think before I found Zumba actually I was like I was in a really low place my second Mm -hmm. one was 18 months so I'd had like four and a half years of basically postnatal depression for a long long time and it was just I was just there and then all of a sudden I'm like oh, for an hour, I can feel amazing. Oh my God, I can feel alive again. And like, but then I realized it doesn't have to be just isolated to doing a Zumba class. And so like you start injecting it back into my mm-hmm. life. And so, mm-hmm. you know, not dancing isn't for everyone, but joy can be for everyone, right? Absolutely. Just in their own way. Because it can right. be really hard. Sorry, Kari, I've got, I've got some rapid fire questions okay. before we go. All right. So just whatever comes to you, don't worry. 
I won't bite. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So tell me, what's the worst thing about being a parent? People's uh, judgment. Judgment. So mm. what's the best thing about being a parent? Just loving the smiles. That first smile that your child gives you. That feeling mm. of just seeing that smile and realizing that you know everything else floats away oh that's so lovely okay answer me this riddle me this parenting (laughs) broke you down lifted you up or both 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 and more (laughs) and more and up and down and up and down (laughs) (laughs) okay what is your favorite thing about you my favorite thing about me is mm-hmm. the ability to actually hear things that others don't hear. Right. That's awesome. And finally, what's the most the most important job of a parent is dot 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 to build their child's confidence to be secure with who they are, knowing oh. that they're enough. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Those are really lovely answers. So before we head off um, do you want to tell me about anything you didn't get a chance to say yet um, about if you've got any plugs for your business or anything like that? Um, just one plug. I have a group, a free group on Facebook called Building Confident Mums. It's for mums because I wanted to create a space that was open, open to all the things that we've spoken about, um, you know, and, you know, have fun in the group, but just be able to talk about things in the way that we've spoken today Mm. Um, and it's you know although I work with parents the groups for mums because at the end of the day uh, most of the times it's mums that are taking all it all in and all on we have that Mm -hmm. list that constant list Mm -hmm. of we're doctor we're social secretary we're educator you know everything and actually it's about just having a space to go and just go I'm not on my own there is there's obviously nothing wrong with me because Carrie's talking about this and then another parent saying this and Mm -hmm. oh my goodness so that's what I wanted to create and it's a free group so just just to check is there is it possible if someone's non-binary or or um to come and join the group yes that'd be a possibility yeah and it's being a mum in any way Right. Okay. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, right. I think that I think that's about it. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you. It was so lovely hearing your wonderful stories. Thank oh, you. It's great to share it with you, Beth. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, Your Family Wellbeing Coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast see if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week